This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli podcast. It is Tuesday, January 16th, and we will. Dedicate this podcast with maybe some funereal music. Get Elton John funeral for a friend playing in the background because that would be appropriate on a day like this where you have to deal with the snow and the dark dankness and the wetness and the icy stuff out there. As if you didn't feel bad enough already about what the Philadelphia Eagles put you through over the last seven weeks. They have put you through, the fan, a ringer, a nightmare really. Uh, and it, the nightmare finally came to an end last night as it culminates in a 32-9 to loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which eliminates the Eagles from the playoffs in the first round. This was a team that was 10-1 and at one point. They wound up losing six of the last seven games. No team that has ever started 10-1. and Well, actually... Two other teams that way back in time in the NFL started 10-1 and and would lose their first-round playoff game. It was an absolute beatdown and a meltdown, and I suspect that there will be some kind of a bloody purge this week. We'll talk more about that later. There will be players that are be peeled off this roster like onion skins, uh, and uh, it's obviously the end of the career of one of the great warriors I've ever played for this team. Jason Kelsey, and you're probably not going to have Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham or whatever. Um, The Eagles are in a position now. Hard to believe that this team was once the number one team in the NFC, and now you're looking at a team and an organization that may have to start all over. How did it happen? Well, we'll get into that in a second, but let's just look at last night. It was a heartless effort. It was, it was an effort where guys didn't even look like they wanted to play last night. Missed tackles, total lack of will, a feeble offensive attack, obviously depleted by the fact that A.J. Brown wasn't there, and they're trying to get things done with guys that don't even belong in the league. No offensive attack whatsoever. No plan on offense or defense. Uh, and, and maybe a total regression from the quarterback that they just gave $250 million to. And we'll get to that in a second, because there are a lot of people asking, is he the guy after all? And all of a sudden, we're getting Carson Wentz references. That's how bad that was last night. That's how bad the season finished. So let's go deeper into this debacle. We have producer Darren with us. We're going to bring Darren in in a second. I just got so much to say here on the Mike Missnelli podcast, brought to us by Bet Rivers. Um the Eagles, let's let's be clear about this, okay? They were once a good team. And the team that we saw last night couldn't run, couldn't throw, couldn't pressure, couldn't block, 
couldn't cover, couldn't tackle, and couldn't coach. You're talking about a team that was once a viable team in the NFL, and they couldn't sustain any kind of a level into productive football. It's almost mind-boggling to see the reversal of what happened to this team. The Tampa Bay Bucks were a team that the Eagles dominated the first go-around earlier in the season. They dominated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a team that came into that game having scored nine points to get into the playoffs against the worst team in the league, the Carolina Panthers. And here's what they did last night in a total domination. 426 offensive yards, 23 first downs. Baker Mayfield, who I do not confuse with Peyton Manning, 337 yards passing and three touchdowns. And they didn't even do it with their big weapons. Mike Evans, who dropped a couple of passes, one for a touchdown. Chris Godwin had one catch through most of that game. They did it with guys named David Moore and Kate Otten and Trey Palmer. Uh, a 37-point, 449 reversal from when the first time the Eagles played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in two games with the teams, 37-point reversal. The Eagles on defense were a ball in confusion. Is there any play that typified the dysfunction of this team where they tried to put together a defense with tape and Elmer's glue when Eli Ricks runs in to Avante Maddox, who they just threw in to play starting safety on a crossing pattern in the middle of the field that went for a 44-yard touchdown to David Moore? And then there was the 56-yard TD catch by Palmer where Bradbury whiffs on a tackle. And then Kevin Byard, who is completely finished as a player, makes a half-ass effort to try to trip up the guy as he's running by. I was embarrassed watching that game. Um, Listen, I, I don't take pleasure in calling for someone's job. But I'm an analyst. And and sometimes you find out more about a coach in times of toil and not times of success. Now, I know Nick Sirianni has gone to the playoffs three times in his three years of coaching. I know that he was the coach of a team that went to the Super Bowl last year. But in success, great players help formulate that success. Great players or good players can carry you through in times of, uh, but, but in times of trouble, the coach has to find some way to restore order when dysfunction has taken over with strategy, with acumen, with leadership personality. And the captain of this crew, Nick Sirianni, was incapable of doing that. They finished with six losses in their last seven games. They sprung a major leak. And it wasn't like they weren't a good team. It wasn't like they were a a crappy team that the coach didn't have enough skill or talent on his roster to get it back together. They were a good team. They were 10 and 1, for Christ's sake. And the head plumber of this team had no answers for the big leak in the pipes that were in that locker room. And and, and, listen, 
I'm not ma- the one making the decision. I don't know how anybody can justify anybody in that front office. The owner, the general manager can justify bringing back a guy who has failed on that level because there's no more belief. Unless you're going to break this whole team down and start over from scratch and you think you have a young coach that can build it, well, then maybe you bring him back. And I don't know how Jeffrey Lurie is going to think, but we're going to get to that a little bit later. So let's go deeper. People have asked me, last night I was getting all kinds of texts from people, what is this? Now, people that don't live the Eagles every day, relatives from out of town, friends from out of town. I got friends in Georgia who were texting me last night. I've got my relative, my niece, Megan, in Alabama going, what What in the hell? What happened? Because they're not living it every day like we live it. So we've traced this before. So let's go over how the dysfunction happened. And then we'll deal with the dysfunction that the head coach wasn't able to fix, nor was the owner or the general manager who are majorly responsible for what this dysfunction was. The San Francisco 49ers came in here, gave up two series, and then said, okay, it's time to get serious. And they extracted the Eagle's heart. They just took it out. You can, you can plainly look back and see where this started. And then with the heart already out of the body, the Dallas Cowboys kind of tromped on it. And then the organization panicked and changed defensive coordinators. Now, on what on God's green earth would think that that would be a good idea, that that wouldn't interject some uncertainty into your locker room that would make players go, "Uh uh-oh, we must really be in trouble if they're panicking like that. Then... A.J. Brown divas his way through the locker room, adding further poison to a team that's already thinking poisonous thoughts. Let's look at the defensive coordinator change. I, I, I just can't express enough how dysfunctional that is. This is a NFL football team deep into a season. Now, there are two theories on who did this. Either Nick Sirianni did it, and if he did it, that tells you all you need to know about him, that he didn't think enough to think that that would further destroy his team, or Jeffrey Lurie did it in a red-ass moment after they got bludgeoned by Dallas where he ordered Nick Sirianni to change coordinators, which would be right in line with what I feel about Jeffrey Lurie, who is a closet meddler from the word go. This guy thinks he's smarter than everybody else, and he actually thinks that when he looks at football as a fanboy watching TV, that he knows enough about the NFL and its inner workings to get away with something like that. It'll come out whose idea that was, especially if Sirianni gets fired. But on, I just can't imagine that any normal, rational, sane-thinking person would think that's a good idea. Now, people are going to say to you, well, Mike, Buffalo Bills did it with their offensive coordinator. They did it earlier in the season, and that offense was really struggling, and they needed a change. They had a good team, and it worked out for them. It was a disaster for the Philadelphia Eagles to do something like that because the guy they changed to was worse. The guy they changed to thought 
he could change up schemes and 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 throw players like spitballs on a wall and they would stick and there would be a co- cohesive defense. How would that possibly happen? It couldn't happen. And they allowed this to happen. They the, the Eagles management watched this thing unfold and allowed it to happen actually thinking it was going to work. Okay. Let's look at Howie Roseman's role in all this. And I'll bring you in, Darren, because I know you have strong feelings about this. His MO was to stock his lines. As long as he thought he could get pressure by having a good, strong offensive line, pressure with four, with the defensive tackles in and pushing the middle and the defensive ends, getting home with only four, which allowed him to cover in zone schemes in the back end. Well, obviously that didn't happen. Josh Sweat got a sack last night, his first one since October. Reddick had a down year. And this nuance of offensive coordinator thought it would be appropriate to use Hassan Reddick in coverage, drop him in coverage, which he can't do. He's a straight-ahead rusher. That's all he is. The defensive tackles were dead in the water. The two guys from Georgia, if they have promise, maybe they do. They hit a stone wall, and you were relying on a 75-year-old Fletcher Cox and Marlon Williams and, and all these other guys to bring you home. Now, he, he, he gave money to cornerbacks who underachieved. Slay underachieving year, no matter what he tells you. And he'll probably say before he got hurt, oh, I was playing really well. And Bradbury, who clearly is finished as a cornerback. You know, running backs hit a wall all of a sudden. I guess cornerbacks hit the same wall because James Bradbury can't play anymore. They, they, they looked into the crystal ball, and they had faith in 30-plus-year-old cornerbacks to sign them both while they let others get away like T.J. Edwards and like Garner Johnson. And again... Howie Roseman didn't prioritize linebackers because that's right in line with their whole philosophy that you don't need linebackers. So they wound up starting journeymen who weren't even good enough to make teams rosters, not the Eagles, but other teams rosters. How in the world do you think you're going to go to war in the playoffs with the likes of Morrow and Cunningham? (laughs) I mean, I I just – and finally, with Howie Roseman, I don't know. Do the Eagles have advanced scouts? Because the advanced scouts are supposed to give you reports on certain guys. There's a reason why teams get rid of the likes of Bradley Roby and Kevin Byard and Shaq Leonard, because they can't play anymore. And the Eagles sit there with their advanced scouts and say, give us your tired, your poor, yearning to be free, and we'll put them in, the, uh, in a starting lineup. Darren, go ahead. I don't know where to start, really. Because I have so many feelings about the general manager over the years. He gets such a pass in this town. He really does. And he's done a lot of good things. He does a lot of good things right. But what he does right and really well is 30 to 40% of what the real job of a general manager is. He is a talent evaluation. I will say at best he is uh, decent. He misses, swings and misses so many times. I agree with the philosophy of building from the lines out. That is the best way to build championship football teams. But if you're going to miss on these draft picks, and I don't think Jalen Carter was a miss by any stretch. I think he clearly hit a rookie wall this year. 
Jordan Davis, who lost weight and came into camp looking pretty good, trim, strong, really outside of run stuffing plays and obvious rundowns, doesn't have a lot of use on the on on the. Line. They couldn't even play they, him last night. They couldn't even I, play really, Jordan Davis in that game last night. It, it's it's bad, and you got guys like and you and I. We noticed Fletcher Cox been watched for a long time. Josh Sweat, enough with Josh Sweat. I have been telling people for years, stop it with Josh Sweat. He looks the part, and it ends there. That's it with him. Uh, Hassan Reddick is 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 a one trick pony. Why anybody would want to drop him in coverage? He does something really well. Just let him do that, okay? And there's a reason he's not getting thirty, forty million a year like Bosa and some of these other guys. He gets he gets paid for what he's able to do, which is one thing. It's that speed rush. He does what's called the bend on the from the left end, and he can't even do it from the right end for God's sakes. All right, but my my problem right now with the general manager is. Uh, that we've seen this movie before. This is the the second total house of cards collapse by this organization in four years. And I know they went to the Super Bowl last year and they had a lot of talent and I give them all the credit in the world for that. But he has a place in this organization. I just would not have him with the general manager role. If Sirianni is fired, first of all, no general manager in NFL history, Mike, none. Even the great ones have survived three head coaches. None. Sirianni is Roseman's fourth. If he is fired and a new one is hired by him and Lori, it will be Roseman's fifth. That is unheard of. At what point is he accountable for anything? Anything. He's never held accountable. And it drives me Bananas. And I know I got a little bit of a thing for him. I get it. My friends tell me all the time. I know you hint at it. I get it. But the fact, what really drives that is that no one holds him accountable. No one. Because he won a Super Bowl six years ago. And that is great. Thank you, Howie. Appreciate it. Here's your new role down down the hall. Here's your new office. Here's a nice raise. You're going to handle contracts. All that kind of stuff. But talent evaluation and hiring will be stripped of your powers. That's what I would do if I were the owner. Okay. That's and, uh, and most likely not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But, but I know. Let, oh, I know. It's a bigger discussion <laughs> that's, that involves there, and we're going to get to yeah. this in a second. Let's, let's, now, uh, let's now talk about Mr. Owner. Um, you saw the shots of him on camera last night towards the end of the game. Livid, sullen death staring uh, out of his booth, uh, staring at a spot in the sky uh, with his dutiful wife sitting there thinking that, well, I better not say a word here. The way he looks, the blood was out of his face. Howie Roseman's got his little bag that he's packing. So where does Jeffrey Lurie come into play? Well, here's where he comes into play. He is uh, at, at, at best a closet meddler, at worst a visible uh, meddler. He thinks he knows what he doesn't know. He thinks he reinvented football with his sophisticated analytics approach and his analytics team that, that he keeps uh, dutifully in, in the booth and maybe even shapes game plans through those, those guys where, where, Sirianni, where Sirianni has to listen to it. That, that's the, the extent of, of what this, this owner does. Uh, and his obvious stance that uh, he is uh, going to show the world 
that how to find the shiniest new toy, which is where Nick Sirianni comes into play. Because Nick Sirianni, if you look back, really didn't have the qualifications to be a head coach. But Lurie wanted to show the world, look at this guy I found. And then they slathered all over themselves when the guy got to be the coach of a Super Bowl team. Uh, I found him out of nowhere, world. Pay attention to how smart I am. So now what? Let's look at what has to happen. Now, there are just as many people out there that cover this team that believe the Sirianni is going to survive. I can't imagine that he should survive, but maybe he will survive. And maybe Lori says, okay, here's the deal. You're going to stay as head coach, but I am going to tell you who to hire. I'm blowing out your entire defensive staff, and I'm blowing out most of your offensive staff. The only guy I'm keeping is Stoutland and maybe Michael Clay, the special teams coach. And you're going to have to live with what I tell you to live with because I know about football, and I'm doing all my research with my team to come out with the best offensive coordinators uh, and defense coordinators, uh, uh, like I found Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen. And if you want the job under those terms, you can have the job. In which case, Sirianni's not going to Doug Peterson him and say, F you. He's going to say, okay, Mr. Owner, I'll take that. So that might be the most likely scenario. But it almost looks right now like a major rebuild. First of all, let's talk about the quarterback who, you know, obviously you paid $250 million to. Uh, and you look at his numbers last night and his numbers weren't that bad. But Jalen Hurts regressed. And the good defensive coordinator to say, all we got to do is blitz this guy. A, they don't have a package for the blitz. Their offensive staff doesn't have any kind of a, a, a package for what they know teams are going to do to them. And B, he's not seeing the field like he used to. And C, he's not going to run out of there like he used to. So he's a sitting duck with a blitz. You saw how many patterns in the middle of the field that could have been open for them last night, and, and he didn't recognize them. So what do we think right now of Jalen Hurts? Well, I'll tell you this what I think of Jalen Hurts, and then I'm not going to speculate. There's a lot of rumblings going on about him as a leader and what the players think of him right now in the locker room. I'm not going to talk about that because I can't speak on that. What I will tell you about the quarterback, Mike, is if they're going to continue to ride with Hurts, who is not an elite passer, who is not a good read quarterback, who is not someone who is capable of going through his progressions, at least at this point in his career. He is not a quarterback that you can keep in the pocket. He is merely serviceable without the RPO. And they can't run the RPO with him because they don't have a quality backup quarterback because it is almost without almost certainty almost without a doubt, that he is going to get hurt in the RPO over the course of a season. Don't tell me he's not hurt right now. He, the way he has run over the last month and a half, don't tell me he's not hurt. I know he's hurt. I can see it. I, I wouldn't be surprised so, that he needs knee surgery. That's all I agree with you. I, it, you, might, yeah. you might hear that. You probably will. But if they don't have somebody to back him up, then they need to change his game. He's not a, a pocket. He's not a pocket quarterback. He's not. He doesn't throw the ball well enough. He can't see the field well enough. So, but he is excellent in the RPO system. Excellent. But you can't run that system with him without a quality backup quarterback, which this team has ignored over the last couple of years. And I know that's tough to, to, to get. 
getting a good quality backup quarterback is not as easy as it sounds. It, it, it's tough for 15 teams in the league right now to get a starting quarterback. But you can't, I mean, like, if you're going to run with him, and you, you have to. You just paid him a quarter of a billion dollars. You have to back him up with somebody invest in a backup quarterback because he is not going to survive any season. Well, that's, if, you, I, I got, that I got news for you. That, that's not good. If, if you have to rely on, on a good backup quarterback to make Jalen Hurts a good quarterback, then, then what, do we, what do we have here? What, what, what do you Am have with Jalen Hurts? This is my point. What do you have right it. now with Jalen Hurts as a starting quarterback in this league? I, it's a concern. You, he's not somebody I would have paid that kind of money so quickly. He had a great year last year in a system that he can't survive. Well, listen, he struck while the iron's hot. I don't think they had any choice but to pay him. But now you got to live with him. So now let's look, first of all, before I get to all the players that shouldn't or won't be back, and there's a ton of them. Which means that's why I say it almost constitutes a rebuild. Let's let's talk about Laurie's stance on what he does right now. If he decides that Sirianni has to go, there are a lot of experienced coaches out there. Now, the restriction on that is that Laurie doesn't want anybody who makes his own call and is more like a de facto general manager along with coaching the team, which they're now, they can go through the names. And let's, so let's start with the biggest one. Jeffrey Laurie is a New England guy who worshiped the New England Patriots. Now that Belichick is available, do you think that he has to bite the bullet and say, okay, I did it my way. It didn't work. We now turned into a laughing stock towards the end of the year. So I'm going to go 180 degrees. And I am going to make Howie just a contract guy. And I'm going to have Bill come in and coach and build this organization. Less than zero chance, Mike. I don't think he goes after Belichick. I don't think Belichick would want to come here. Um, he, I just, Bill is one of those guys who, yeah, he's the greatest coach in NFL history. I get it. But clearly the game does pass even the great ones by, and it certainly looks like the game has passed him by that his, his schemes and his, his 10 is what he tends to do. His tendencies are a little archaic right now. So uh, no, I don't think Belichick is. What, I, what I about the other names out there? there? What about the Vrabels of the world There's who are out names there? names that I like a lot, Mike. Ben Johnson is the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. He's going to be the hot name, though. When, when the, whenever Detroit, I think it's the, Tuesday or Wednesday, it might even be today, that NFL, uh, the, the, the current teams playing, their coordinators can start interviewing. Um, he's going to be the hot name. Um, but he is going to want to pick his own coordinators. Uh, and the other two guys I like are Mike Vrabel and Jim Harbaugh. And I, I, at the end of the day, I think Harbaugh is going to find a way to stay at Michigan. But uh, those are the two guys. And those are two guys who are not going to let Jeff Lurie tell them what to do or Howie Roseman tell them what to do. Okay. So I don't know. So, I don't so think, what I don't you just to... said kind of leads yeah. me to believe that Sirianni is going to be the guy. I do believe that. I still believe that Sirianni is going to stay here and the, every almost everyone else – will be replaced under the coaching staff. A lot of guys. Okay. Maybe not all of them. Maybe Stout will probably stay if uh, they pay him. All right. right. And, and, and maybe that's too. more likely than uh, – I'm just giving yeah, you my opinion. I don't think that you can – that guy has such a taint on him now for what happened because this is a collapse that's historic. You, you don't see this all day. Yeah. That's, that guy totally lost control of that team in that locker room and, and couldn't get his guys to play, even in a playoff game where they got a reprieve by playing a weaker team. So that, that was enough for me. I, I've seen enough, but you maybe they look at it a different way. So now let's look yeah. at the folks who won't be 
here or shouldn't be here. We already mentioned Kelsey was very emotional last night, did not talk to the press. And uh, the report is that he has told teammates that he's retiring. And why wouldn't he retire? You can't come back to this situation. There's no incentive for you to come back to a situation that is, is in such a disarray. You, you, you played from year to year. And you played this year because you thought this team had, had uh, you know, uh, they were coming back to defend and get back to a Super Bowl. But there's no incentive for him to come back now. So I, I get it. And, and God bless. And whatever he's going to do with his life, I, I, I wish him a lot of luck. I do not want to hear anybody talk about, well, the sentimentality of Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. you got to bring him back for one year. I am done with the sentimentality. There is no reason for you to offer a one-year contract to Cox or Graham. And, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm hardcore that way, but this is a business after all. They have played enough years here as the Philadelphia Eagle. If they want to play another year and somebody wants to sign them, God bless them. But I, I'm done with that. Do you agree on that? Completely agree. Uh, the one thing that, that people in this town, they get wrapped up in guys, and I get it. You know, Graham's been here a long time. Cox has been here a long time. Um, but first of all, I, would, I, would, I might consider Brandon Graham only because they, you, you, in a limited role, like they can't replace everybody. Like, they, there's a lot of guys they got. What did he do? In, what, right what did he do in a limited role this year? What is he going to do? Some nice he's going to give you something yeah, more. A year questions. older, he's going to give you more. I, no, I, I listen. I definitely. You got to clean it out. Clean. This is what I'm saying. You you can't like the sentimentality thing is ended. It's now you got to refresh this whole thing. You can't like you can't waste ten million dollars on a guy just no, because of the sentimentality kind of contract. If he, if he wants to get that money to stay, then you got to say goodbye. If he, if a, on a bargain deal. Only because, only because you can't, there's only so many guys you can turn over in one season. I, I, w- I might consider Graham, but definitely not Cox. But I would be fine and happy with moving on from, from both of them. Because I okay. think that's what the team Let's move on. To do. There is no way that Cunningham or Morrow or Shaq Leonard or any other linebacker they can pull out the practice, but should None. be involved in that. They've got to refresh their entire linebacker core, and they need to put more of a priority on it, obviously. Uh, Josh Sweat, we just talked about it. There's no, there's no reason. Now you got to refilter that that situation. Slay and Bradbury, what do you do there? You know, I, I wonder. Uh, James Bradbury to me is the biggest enigma of this team of any player to me because his game is a press game, and he was terrible this year. But I could probably count on one hand how many snaps snaps they had him in press. I just wonder if the if the scheme really hurt him more than it because I've never seen a defensive back fall off the planet like he has, like that's a total continental shelf fall uh, fall, not just a gradual decline with him. Usually, two quarterbacks with more of a flash game like Slay fall off the map a lot quicker than a guy like who's more just a a, a, a deep cover guy like uh, like Bradbury. So I do wonder if the scheme like made him look worse than he was. But well, you can't go back been, with them, too. You just you, can't. And I think you, Ringo showed you enough to just give him a shot and, and grow and learn. All right, which is probably what they're going to have to do. Yeah. I wouldn't bring either one of those cornerbacks back. And, and, and you know, the Slay thing is Slay irritates me like uh, A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown's productive and Slay's not. So I, I've, got, I've got no more time for Slay. Um, um, Avante Maddox, enough now. 
I mean, enough trying to rehab this guy. He, he's he's like what, he's that, that old glass. wood toy where you push the I bottom know. and the toy collapses that's made up of string. He <laughs> gets hurt every every other play. Enough with that Vontae Maddox and counting on him. So you got to find a slot corner. You also have to find safeties. And I know you like uh, uh, Blankenship, but here's the thing about Blankenship. He plays like a kamikaze, and he's going to get hurt every other game. Plus, he can't cover. So while we love the fact that he likes to come up and stick people, when he does that, he gets hurt, and he can't cover. So they may have to refilter the whole safety. Two corners and two safeties, which was what about we looked at last year and said, well, they got to preserve that situation, but the safety position, that's, that's problematic. But we had to bring in a journeyman. So look at all the, the, the stuff that they have to do. Now, let's let's go on the offensive side of the ball. DeAndre Swift can't stay. De, De, first of all, they're afraid to use him. Second of all, I don't even know that he impressed me that much this year. There's two ways to look at Swift. You look at a guy and go, well, they didn't use him enough. They're afraid to use him. They didn't prioritize him. Or you look at it like, why would the Detroit Lions are willing to get rid of him? I, and I don't know if he would want to come back in this situation. He can choose wherever he wants to go. Um, Gainwell and Boston Scott. Enough. I've had enough. You got to refilter that entire running back situation. Watkins and Zacchaeus. Are you kidding me? Did you see what they tried to get away with last night? I'm looking at Tampa Bay. They bring these guys out, out of the woodwork who are are major. But did you see the the long? pass plays that those guys completed last night. The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on big plays averaged like 30 yards last night with guys like Trey Palmer. The Eagles had Zacchaeus out there and Watkins, who stinks. I've had enough of Quez Watkins. And Julio Jones, 100 years old, gets smashed in the head and he was done. And they have nobody else. The whole thing has to be refigured. This was a team that was 10-1. and one. You look at them now, you go, my God, i got to rebuild this whole ship. Dude, I, so, I, I know, it's so, we didn't even talk about the offensive line yet, Mike. Like, they, they completely deteriorated over the season. Like, the penalties last night. What was Cam Jurgens doing? Where was his mind list? Yeah, Cam Jurgens had what, the miss box. The left tackle was a turnstile this he, year. Mylotta, now we're coming down from Mylotta, <laughs> but he'll be back next year. And Cam Jurgens yeah. will be the center, which is what they drafted yes. him to do anyway. So they will have to find a right guard. Lane Johnson still has two good years in him, I think. So I'm not as worried yeah. about the offensive line as I'm worried about the skill positions. Look at all the skill positions that they're yeah, depleted Watkins, now. They cannot bring Watkins back on this roster, Mike. They just can't. I'm so tired of them trying to sell me. All right, they've got their starting wide receivers. I get it. You need a third receiver. Yeah. You need a third receiver in, 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 the, in the, 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 the whole scheme of your offense, A. But B, when somebody gets banged up, you need a third receiver that can step into a role. And they didn't have that last night. So, uh, listen, man, this is a, this situation where it, it, it's just it's just mind boggling to me. It really is how I've never seen this ever before um, in, in following sports uh, in Philadelphia for a long time. I don't even know if I, I've seen it nationally where a team could just fragment like they fragmented by losing six of their last seven games and not even being competitive in a playoff game against arguably the weakest team in the playoffs that had to win nine, nothing against the worst team in the league 
to get in the playoffs. That team looked like a super team. They dominated the Eagles last night. That's how far they had fallen. And what's next? I mean, I don't know, man. This is a, a, a rebuilding situation that, that it's almost like you, you've got a three-win team and, and you've got to just start from, from the lab and build out. Uh, I, I just don't know what to say. I'm, I'm in a stun mode right now. Uh, Mike, there's the problem. You're right. I've never, there's, there's just too many issues with this team on every level of both sides of the ball. Really, I've never seen anything like it either. And there's so much blame. That's the other thing, too, that we don't realize. There's blame everywhere. It's not just the coordinators. It's the quarterback. It's the head coach. And, oh, by the way, it's the general manager who, again, just he's just unscathed. Like these guys, you can't keep bringing in the the scraps of other teams and think that just I'll just band-aid positions. I will band-aid a complete level of the defense. How many years? The linebackers, I'll just band-aid them together and don't give me Hassan Reddick as a linebacker. He is not. Yeah, uh, it's this, just like, a, they're a broken I, record. I'm looking they're at it. Yeah, listen, professional football teams spend a lot of time studying, looking at film orchestrating game plans, attacking what the other team is going to do. There there was no secret that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to blitz them last night. That's what they do in general, much less follow a template of all the teams that have had success blitzing Jalen Hurts. You had a week to figure out what you were going to do against the blitz. In, 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 first of all, their offensive tech, they, they, their first – 34 plays or 32 plays, 24 passes and eight runs. This is the same team that, that you just plowed running the football last time. The first 32 plays go 24 passes to eight runs. The first 27 pass plays that the Eagles attempted, they blitzed 18 times on Jalen Hurts. Now, you didn't know they were going to do that? In addition to that, the one play where they blitz him, the quarterback doesn't know that he is now in red turf. It goes from green. The end zone is red. He Does he not know that he is in dangerous situation there to get rid of a football instead of taking a safety? There's red beneath his feet. It says Tampa Bay red. It's not green anymore. And he takes the safety because he was so unaware of what was going around him and the blitz had engulfed him. There were things last night that I saw that I just couldn't believe. It was like that team did not want to play football last night. They get paid to play football. They quit. Their defense quit. And the, I, I, I don't know. I I just, I'm watching that game and my eyeballs are popping out of my head. So there it is, folks. I, I don't know what more we can add to what you saw last night and uh, what you saw with a season of collapse like the Philadelphia Eagles gave you. Ten and one, and everybody is looking forward to the Super Bowl. Let me give you a little a little tidbit here. I do a post-game show. We did our final post-game show last night. Uh, when it, the Eagles were 10 and one, and ranked as the number one team in the NFC. 
the production crew of the postgame show sent all their equipment out to Las Vegas thinking <laughs> that the Eagles were going to be in the Super Bowl. So last night, we didn't sit in our regular chairs, and I got a backache. <laughs> because... <laughs> so the collapse re- reached all the way down to that. And and right now, uh, my I the gotta... Super Bowl's three weeks from now. Why would they? Uh, do yeah, that listen, they shipped it out. They trucked. So I, I I don't know what it was, but but in any event, that that's how the expectations just went like that, folks. God. Listen, man, you you got you got the Flyers. They won last night. You got the Sixers. And B comes back to play, and he gets another forty burger. Uh this is what you have for the rest of the winter until. Spring training starts for the Philadelphia Phillies. So things will pick up. You will get over this. Although, I, I don't know. this uh, like Something like this lingers. Something like this is you, never goes away. It's something that you'll always... It, it will, oh, it, when you examine your culture of Philadelphia sports and all your memories, this one will ache and will stick out uh, like nothing. And you'll be reminded of it more if they bring back this head coach. So we'll see in the next couple of days. Nick Sirianni said he wasn't concerned about that. Maybe he was told uh, that that he's he's going to be back, and that's why he wasn't concerned about it. But uh, Jeffrey Lurie is now um, embarrassed. And when that guy is embarrassed, he finds scapegoats. So we will see what happens. And if something obviously shakes down with the Philadelphia Eagles this week, we will have an immediate podcast uh, sponsored by Bet Rivers, the Mike Missinelli podcast. Uh, Darren, thank you. And uh, for Darren, uh, Mike, have a great rest of the day. Uh, we appreciate you listening. And we'll be back with a podcast later this week, maybe sooner. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Mike Missinelli podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. You can get me on email, mike at mikemiss.com. Check me out on Twitter at mikemiss25. I'd love to hear your comments. I will read some emails and some comments that uh, that you send my way based on what we just talked about today. All right. Good night, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.